1: It's time Marcus for us to help them defeat the negative You're insurgency me up, man. In you fire me up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. Marcus, Marcus, Marcus. We're back again. Believe it or not. One more round. How does this keep happening, does? I keep I I ask that same question every day. You'd almost think we were doing this on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all so much for doing this, letting us uh, have this job, man. It is truly amazing, and today is no different. With our guest, got one of our own veterans in here. Yeah, Flo Groberg, man. Army this is captain. It's gonna be super
4: interesting. Army capitán. Capitan. Frenchman. Capitán de Ejército. Right. No, he is not a Frenchman. He is an American, but he spent time living in France. He's got a very interesting That's probably story. A <laughs> <laughs> That's hey, why we call
1: him the Frenchman. Hey, you wear a valet of honor, right, That's tough enough to wear that thing, man. Good job, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an incredible
4: story. But speaking of France, um, the other day, when I walked downstairs, and the news is always running in the house, right? I had a, a 9-11 type moment where... Everybody that was of age remembers what they were doing when they first either heard about nine eleven, saw the towers burning, uh, saw it on the news, something like that. And I had a similar moment. Now I'm not making a direct comparison to the fallout. I what you're saying? Yeah, I you. What I'm saying is that
1: what stop, I you stop. I saw yeah, on stop TV, you down your tracks. You're focused on what's yeah. going on on television. I was oh, yeah. stunned, absolutely stunned. Yeah, burning down, roof on fire. Right? I assume right. you've been there. I have, ah, oh, it's something. I mean, yeah. it's kind of the the center point of France. It's it's been around for almost eight hundred plus years, I think. Yeah, I don't know how long it took to build, but um,
4: but those cathedrals took hundreds of years to build. So I don't know. Did they start? It's definitely a work in progress.
1: Remember, because that's the whole ago. reason they wrote that uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame was kind of a throw out to hey, we need to fix this place up. Has all that art in there. I mean, it's France sweet. is covered in beautiful everything. So the roof burning down like that. Yeah. That was a free stop you in your tracks moment. It was, uh, uh, we are pray, praying for y'all out in, uh, France and hope that y'all you'll get that thing back up. Yeah. That was, um, I don't know. Seeing that
4: happen was almost apocalyptic.
1: Oh yeah. Well, the only thing left in there was the cross. <laughs> the fire didn't even touch it. And good Lord works in weird ways. But anyways, just seeing,
4: you know, just seeing that happen was I, I've been there myself and the place was, it doesn't matter what religion you are. If you're not religious, the place was majestic.
1: It was. It was. It was beautiful. It was kind it was of a majestic. testament to the to, to all the periods of France, if you will. And we we we're man. We're truly yeah. praying for so, you guys over over there and hope that that uh, that works out. So you know what? Uh, getting back to Flo,
4: he was a you know he's got his own book out there. You yourself are a an author.
1: I am of note. An author, <laughs> I, it's kind of a no-brainer with me, man. Because I just write down what I live. Like I go out and do it, and then I, and then come back and write it down. Every, it's a, every writer is unique, man. But those uh, those adventure stories, and he has a great one, man. His life from from start to to this point right now is just looks like it's been a hell of an adventure, man. I can't wait to get him on on here and hear about this. Yeah. Before we get to that housekeeping, okay. All right, guys, check it out. Pass this along to anybody on how to to listen to us. You can stream directly from our website, tnqpodcast.com, or virtually any other podcast app, whether iPhone or Android. iTunes, Stitcher, Podyssey, CastBox, and Radio Public is where you can find us.
4: Okay, and on social media, if you're a person afflicted with such things, you can follow Team Never Quit on all the major social media outlets. On Instagram, we are TNQ Podcast for the show. Marcus is at Marcus Latrell, and I am the underscore wizard underscore TNQ.
1: Or you can find us at TNQPodcast.com. You can listen directly to all our current and past episodes. and Any and everybody from David Goggins, Mike Rowe, Captain Charlie Plum, Mr. Laird Hamilton, and Andre Agassi, to name a few. We also have merchandise from hats to shirts and everything in between. The best part about it is you can type into our listener write-in stories, click underneath that tab. One of our favorite elements to, uh, to have on there, just because, man, it just lets everybody check into uh, what we've had in the past and what we've got coming up.
4: All right. So let's do a quick background on Flo Groberg here. Former U.S. Army captain who served during the war in Afghanistan, where in 2012 he was severely injured attempting to thwart a suicide bomber. Uh, in 2015, he was a recipient of the Medal of Honor for his heroic actions. He, his early life here is of particular note. It's very interesting. He was actually born uh, born in Poissy, France, which is near Paris. His mother, Claire, who is French, is of Algerian descent. She, uh, he was raised by his mother and his adoptive stepfather, an American, Larry Groberg. The family lived in the Paris region until he was six and then moved to Spain, went back to France, he actually did not speak English until he was 11. He immigrated to the United States shortly after that, <clears throat> graduated from American high school, attended a, uh, the University of Maryland, where he earned a, his Bachelor of Science prior to the military. When he decided to join the military in 2008, he attended Officer Candidate School at Fort Benning, the Benning School for Boys. Near and dear to my heart, Marcus, how about you? Yeah. Yeah, nothing but wonderful memories. Good times there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> man it gets hot there
4: <laughs> my uncle was a helo pirate and um i remember calling him when i was Hitting. during my foray to fort benning right right and he called it that benning school for boys and i could not stop that's stuck with me ever since I know, that's whenever right. i hear that name <laughs> benning school for boys yeah,
1: I mean, that's our first kind of uh introduction to the army i mean you know, they throw us right in there um, it is boot to boot those good times, man. <laughs> Miserable while you're there, but now, you know. <laughs> oh man! So not only is not only is
4: Flo a Medal of Honor recipient, but uh, he has also been at Fort Benning. He received his commission as an infantry officer, and he went to complete uh, infantry officer, infantry officer basic course, mechanized leaders course, Army Airborne, and also Ranger School. After that, he was assigned to the 4th Infantry Division at Fort Carson out in Colorado. Deployed 2009 to Afghanistan on his first deployment um, to Kunar province. When he returned, he took a new position assigned as Brigade Personal Security Detachment Commander and deployed again to Kunar province. In 2012, he was soon promoted to the rank of captain. Now, getting on to the Medal of Honor um, here, he is the 19th recipient of the Medal of Honor. After the Vietnam War, he's the first foreign-born recipient since the Vietnam War, and the tenth living recipient. President Obama presented the medal to to him in November of
1: 2015. I'll uh, let me get into the actions on this thing. Yeah. There we go. The actions are as cited on August eighth, 2012, as a personal security detachment commander responsible for the safety of 28 coalition and afghan national army personnel including several participants and principals two brigade commanders three battalion commanders the brigade command sergeant major and a battalion command sergeant major and an ana battalion commander basically the head shit important people God <laughs> of, damn it wow man he had a whole bag there i don't even see who they're missing wow we got him his team and a <laughs> they, bunch of important Talk about stacking the deck there well, they were on an escort mission, which included moving on foot from uh, Fab Fias to the uh, provincial governor's compound at Asadabad, Kunor, Afghanistan, for a weekly security meeting. Uh, okay, so it was a meeting of the minds. Without getting too much detail, we're going to let him tell the story, but uh, because of his actions, a suicide bomber ran up and tried to kill everybody on the insert, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he took care of that problem. He's the one that stepped in and did that. And by doing it, it minimized the loss of life to um, to... Most everybody there. However, there were some soldiers that were killed. Um, Sergeant Mahoney, Command Sergeant uh, Major Griffin, Major Kennedy, Air Force Major Gray, and um, the UCEDD Foreign Service Officer, Mr. Abfata. Groberg sustained the loss of 45 to 50% of his left calf muscle with significant nerve damage and basically got blown to hell. So uh, I can't wait to hear this story and hear about him and and his whole life, actually. You ready to get him on? Well, one last thing to mention is he... He wrote a book
4: we want to we want to mention real quick eight seconds of courage a soldier's story from immigrant to the medal of honor um in which he talks more than just the story of the actions uh which resulted in him being given the medal of honor but he expands into a lot more his experience um thoughts and lessons learned regarding the army so Hopefully, we're going to get
1: into some of that with him. Oh, we will. We'll drag on. everything out of him. Don't worry. You ready to get him on? <laughs> yeah, let's do it, buddy. Bye, bro. So, here he is. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for doing this, man. We, we uh, Man, we're we're honored to have you.
3: All right, so, honor is all mine here. It's exciting.
4: Yeah, anytime we can get a uh, an MOH recipient on, you know we've we've had um, we've had Kyle Carpenter in the past, Mike Thornton, Dakota Meyer. We we love talking to you guys. You guys always lay down some very interesting information for our listeners. So uh, and I know they get a lot out of it. So thanks for sitting down with us.
3: Of course.
1: So yeah, we, that's a hell of a thing to strap that metal around your neck or have it strapped around your neck. <laughs> Boy, that just turns you to something I mean, that's a different life. whop right there. And yeah, no kidding. The um man, hats off to you, bro. And
3: you got three Huh? They say you got three crazy guys out there. You're talking about Cal, you know, Dakota and Mike. Yeah, I mean, you want to go to a firefight, they go, all, all all, three of them, you're going to be pretty good. Right. Might, we might add you in there too, Marcus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll be the LPO. I like them. I'm like like, all right, you guys go get them. Go get them. <laughs> go out there and do it. All right. Because if they can handle y'all, then shit, I know they can handle me. All right, brother. All here's the right. deal, man. First, uh, the uh, first part of there. this thing, yeah, we got a mad minute coming down, so we're going to fire some questions at you to get your brain going before we get into the deep part of this water. So you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, here we go. Wizard fire away. All right, buddy. If
4: you could uh, if you could possess anyone's body for 1 month completely
3: anonymously, who would it be and why? Uh, Rapid because he freaking dominates, and he can
1: get whatever the <laughs> hell he wants in life. And, he's like, gonna, I'm around, I want to be blonde. Kind of the, <laughs> he might be one of the coolest he's people. on the planet. That's all right. Hey, that's that's fine. like that's. that's, 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 that's yeah, dude. <laughs> all right. That's kind of. He's. Kind of, I think he might have like the Sean Connery syndrome. Right. So that dude's oh. going to be cool his whole life. You know no, what je- what I mean, je- he doesn't have that accent longevity. like Sean. sean would be like, all right, all right. And then it's just over, right? Just Sean Connery. And then Brad, he just. Yeah, that's a great choice, actually. A, good one. a lot
4: of benefits that would come with that one, right? I think so. Good pull for a Sunday morning, right?
1: <laughs> what do you got, buddy? <laughs> right off. All right, brother. Travel back in time and live out any period for a week. Which one would it be?
3: Uh, probably William Wallace time. I mean, I just think he's such a freaking badass in the history of just going mm. out there and and you know fighting for your people and and you know there's nothing like getting to a fire fight, aka a firefight, without any actual. Uh, uh, guns and taking a sword. You know, sprinting down on the field, and oh. just facing the enemy one on one. Man, That's I, t- I That's
1: how it should be. We should get rid of all the nuclear weapons, all the rifles, and go back to swinging axes and bows and arrows. Just pull out the bow and arrow, right? Just a sword and axe. See how tough you. Re- see if you really yeah, want to go to war. That. You really want to get They will do it that way—killing people with bombs and just blowing a whole bunch of people up that don't even want to be in the fight or anything like that, man. If you really want to get, because that's hard, man. Swinging that stuff, fighting like that is exhausting. It's a, them guys back in the day, man. They could fight like nobody's business. I mean, I think the the rifle and pistol got invented just out of pure laziness. That's absolutely I, I, what I, it had to be. Get more to do with effectiveness. Honestly, but
3: I like to go back and see how long one of those fights lasted. Because you're right, it's, it is completely exhausting. You're carrying like a 30 to 40-pound sword and you're swinging it for, you know, let's say even 10 minutes. I mean, you got to be just done.
1: I, just running, running down into the whole crowd, I mean, the first front couple of lines and then just, I mean, yeah, even if you were good at the, in the middle, something just, and the reason I think they lasted for days is because everybody gets some worn out. It's like, let's take a break for a second. I'm going <laughs> to walk over here, <laughs> rub some yeah, dirt I, on it, and get back in. break. <laughs> Good
4: lord. I don't know. You guys, I, I, I have no desire to, uh, no thanks. I have a ton of yeah, I, respect I said for those guys. Yeah, I said but you know reality no
3: is? Uh, I probably would have been like, I'm 175 mm. pounds. So I would have I got my ass kicked so fucking quick. Uh, I don't even know if I can curse, but.
4: that <laughs> yeah, was been, all about brute strength been, back then, right?
3: Yeah.
4: All right, let's go with um, when, not if, the zombie apocalypse hits. What are your most indispensable pieces of kit?
3: Well, our first one is to be a met kit uh, because I'm not worried about zombies. I'm worried about which asshole human being I'm going to have to go kill because he's going to try to steal my shit. Hmm. Uh, next one is going to be an axe because I've been going to this uh, axe throwing uh, little <laughs> place uh, here in Seattle. And apparently I'm decent at it and I freaking love it. And the third one is my iPhone until it dies. Just so I can listen to music and be in peace for a little while while I'm just murking people.
1: Well, I got an, uh, There's an axe throwing competition I got to go to here in a couple of days. It's funny you should bring that up, man. My wife Melanie was just telling me about it. An axe throwing competition coming. Oh, and uh, Pete um, hey Smith from Fox and Friends. Did you see on yeah. the news where he was throwing those? There was an axe throwing contest. And he threw that axe and missed the target and hit that guy in uniform. Hit that. No. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Wait, what? Dude, <laughs> dude,
1: hit him with the axe. Like, he, uh, Hexman threw that thing and it popped off the target or did something and hit this dude, this young army kid. I think it was an army kid with that axe and, and apparently did some good work on it. Like, hurt him. Well, <laughs> Not too bad, well, but next to him? <laughs> I don't know what was, I don't know how that happened. <clears throat> it's funny. You should talk about that, man. I, um, I heard he had done that. I hadn't talked to him since, oh, uh, no. since he did that. I need to ask him. I, one thing I keep forgetting. Edged weapons are dangerous. I learned to respect oh, yeah. for
4: spears and those guys carrying those old weapons, but uh, that's another story for yeah, another Yeah, uh-huh, I'm
1: with that stuff still, and Old Wizard decided to come down and get him a hold of it one day. It got good to him, too good to him, turned around and bit him. Yeah, I almost took it right in the guts. Anyway. <clears throat> How's it going, bro? I almost cut his hand off. I, don't know, I mean, how many sticks did you have? A bunch. It
4: went, yeah, it went bunch. through my hand. <laughs> I, I <laughs> no, was able to...
1: Yeah, oh, bro, he, he the, had this makeshift spear. Was I mean, was a I broad was like this man. I mean, it was one of those huge arrows or uh, um, spears. It's no. a, uh, for pig hunting. That's what yeah. I use it for. And he was just throwing it at my. I had all my my target stands for my knives, my bow, and all that. And man, he just started. First day he got mm. here, he cut his damn hand off of my spear. Almost cut my hand <laughs> off. I impaled it. Yeah. Oh man, what that are thing we talking was going about? right
4: through <laughs> those three foot cube archery blocks. Yeah. All the way through and cutting like an 8-inch gash, which was incredible. No. Yeah. Let's go with, um, all right. Since you have a master's in intelligence management, you may be the ideal (laughs) candidate for this question, so stand by. Will artificial intelligence result in a utopian era of human advancement or take all of our jobs and eventually become a real-world Skynet, marching into a dystopian future and exterminating mankind as we know it?
3: Is that my choice? Which
4: one? <laughs> what do you feel is going to happen with artificial Fucking intelligence?
3: Skynet, man! I think it's
1: real. <laughs> <laughs> Dude,
4: He's so confident that movie about that.
3: Right there, is the truth. <laughs> it's the truth. Look at what's going on. They got all this AI stuff happening. They're going to take over eventually. You can look at Watson. <laughs> Watch Watson. Watson knows everything about everything. One day, Watson's going to say, "Why the hell do I have to listen to these people? I kind of own them, and I'm really smart. I'm smart in all of them." And I'm going to take over. Yeah, it's going to be that's World War Three right there. People are nervous about human beings. It's going to be AI.
1: Hmm. You heard Uh-oh. it right here, ladies and gentlemen.
3: Flo yeah. Just well, it. They
1: t- that first AI system, they turned online. What was it in, in three minutes? Once they logged it in into the internet, it became a sex-crave Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a funny story. Yeah, yeah, the first AI they snapped online, and it, I, I think it said three minutes. It didn't yeah. take long at all, man. And when it was learning off the internet, and it turned into yeah. A sex-crazed Nazi. That's what his personality was. That's <laughs> terrible. They had to shut it down. <laughs> well, it was just ingesting everything that yeah, it
4: could pull out. I, I think so even if, Elon if you Musk, imagine he... if you fed all of the internet's, which has got to be a lot of just junk food, into the brain of anything, what it's going to turn into.
3: I just think that, I, I think that you know, it, I mean, in a serious talk, that kind of stuff, you got to have a switch-off button. like And you got to make sure that switch-off button, you know, I really turns off the system if we well, once we ever get to that point because it is scary you know people think we would joke around about it but it's it's a reality it's actually I don't think it's going to be Terminator uh, but I mean it could turn into some pretty you know ridiculous thing where AI decides to take a certain course of action which is could potentially you mm-hmm. know oh I think that you know based on the situation right now a nuclear attack on this country should go, should go through and that's to me that, that's freaking crazy and but I'm too dumb to really, you know, talk more about it because I don't understand how that crap works. I but doubt that. This kind of scares me a little bit. That and zombies, man, you know.
4: <laughs> well, if anybody hasn't watched Joe Rogan's interview with Elon Musk where he starts talking about that, it's very interesting. And that's a guy who's kind of at the forefront, not kind of, he is at the forefront of that type of
1: technology. So you should check oh, yeah. it out. Yeah,
3: he's, he's freaked out by that. A zombie that's apocalypse, you all you have to you do is, is just take face. all
1: the uh, narcotics concerned. away from people. Like if we had a like if an EMP broke down or something happened where everyone at one time couldn't get those all the pill all of them not just the opioids but any and all pills that people have to take a drug that they are relied on that Mm it actually has a hold of them if they cut all that that's a zombie apocalypse motherfucking running out in the street just tearing stuff apart trying to find us killing each other that's what that is because you are a zombie when you're on that crap Hmm.
3: but you you guys watch uh, have you you've watched Walking Dead I'm assuming right yeah. (laughs) Yes, I I want to know how the hell <laughs> these zombies took over because they're super slow and stupid. Now I watched World War Z with Brad Pitt, my man. You know I can't understand <laughs> my man. how you have a situation there, right? They're they're pretty damn fast and crazy. Now Walking Dead, every, I, I, I don't know why I keep watching that show, but every time I watch it, I'm like, how is that possible? Like, how did you let these slow ass zombies? it all take over. It just makes no sense to
4: me. Yeah, well, I'm not completely up on the whole walk. I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm a fan of the show, but I understand the premise. And when you gave your answer, I think you were right. Isn't the biggest problem in Walking Dead the fact that you've got to battle these other human groups to yeah,
3: survive? The, that's what it becomes. Yeah, you
4: know the zombies just kind of become dangerous wildlife. You got to be aware of. Right, right, that's right. Yeah, yeah exactly
3: kind of yeah. idea. Like angry deers. That's
1: what they are. You know, <laughs> angry deer. <laughs> you got a half sharp sword. You're gonna be all right. All right, Marcus. Yeah, right. We got to get out of this uh, rabbit hole, bud. Okay, get him, hit him with another one. Favorite movie you like to play out in real life?
3: Uh, John Wick.
1: Yeah, but Just,
4: the, Brad know, Pitt's I've, not
1: I've, in that movie.
3: No, he's not. Man, my man Keanu is, Keanu is, but you know, I mean, the only part about it is I don't want my dog to get you know to get hurt. But he's pretty badass in that movie.
1: Yeah. I can't wait
3: for the third one to come out. I right <laughs> <him laughs> the world,
1: John Wick is fake. Brad Pitt is real. Asked for the movie one. Good job. <laughs> oh
4: <my> God.
1: <laughs> and uh our 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 fa- our favorite. Oh. Ryan, Are you talking about the Ryan greatest Reynolds. actor of all time? Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> We're trying to get in the next Deadpool movie, <laughs> so every time we talk about Ryan Reynolds, we always explain we how he's the one of the plug. greatest actors to ever grace the the uh, silver screen. E.
3: I mean, <laughs> Shit, you know what? I want to go back and be Ryan Reynolds. I don't Ryan, not so I want to be fucking time Ryan
1: Reynolds. Out. Time out. We're, starting. We're changing this. <laughs> this is the new
4: news, man. All right. If you could take any animal and make it the size of an elephant, which one would you pick and why?
3: Wow. Oh, man. Animal and make him to the size of an elephant. I got to think this one quick. Oh, a squirrel. Just because I just want to see. <laughs> what happens when you have that big-ass animal squirrel who's scared of everything just running around and just going nuts and see what my dog would do? Because she wants to, you know, she's a German pit, and she every time she sees a squirrel, it's like, like that, that movie Up. You know, she's just ready to go jump six feet, climb a tree, and go get it. What would she do if that squirrel was the size of an elephant? I'd be, I just think it'd be funny.
4: Anything that moves that fast and
1: is that nervous, the size of an elephant would be extremely dangerous. Marcus, what do you got, buddy? All right, brother, best dive bar you've been into.
3: Oh man, best dive bar I've been into. Um, Hey, I have to go back to college, and I probably go Bentley's. Um, You know, it's just disgusting. It's in the University of Maryland. It's got you know, I've seen people piss on the floor, Mm. literally. It's got cheap, cheap beer, and it's overcrowded, and it's just awesome, great party.
1: Cool, and it's named Bentley's. That's even better. That's a heck of a name, right? <laughs> that yeah, so makes you that think you're with... upper
3: class while yeah. you're down there in the dive. Yeah. that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I think in college I've been kicked out at least a dozen times from that bar, but it's cool. You know, I still got back in the next night, maybe the same night, <laughs> back door. It's cool,
1: right? All right. Um, last one. What's your fondest memory as a child? Wow. Yeah. One um, right deep with that one.
3: You know a great question i can't even think of my fondest memory as a child i moved into the states honestly you know, hmm. I, mean, I was born in france and um i remember like i was you know 11 years old when i was 12 and you know when my dad told me when my dad told me a fake story he lied to me to move to the states i was playing nintendo and he asked he came to my room he said hey man do you like mcdonald's i said I, I i yeah i love mcdonald's he's like okay uh, he's like do you, do you want to meet michael jordan I remember being a kid, like, my God, Michael Jordan. I'd love to be Michael Jordan. Like, if you move if you come to the States, because my mom told my dad, like, if you convince Flo to move to the United States, we'll we'll move there. And so he sold me on moving to the States with McDonald's <laughs> and meeting Michael Jordan. Mm. My loyalty to my family, to my friends, to my school, to my sports all went out the windows for McDonald's <laughs> and this guy named Michael Jordan. So, by the way, we moved to the States. I barely ate McDonald's, because that was a fake news story right there. And then Michael Jordan, I did I did get to meet him though.
4: You did? He walked
3: right by me one time. Didn't acknowledge me, no nothing. But I mean <laughs> so technically he never lied to me. But honestly, like moving here was like was huh. the coolest thing and I was super excited. I I'll never forget like just the idea, the process of like thinking about moving to the States, it was just unbelievable. So
1: That's awesome, cool. man. Cool. I hadn't had a chance to meet him either. I heard I heard he's a good dude. I've heard all kinds of, that's Michael Jordan, man. It's just yeah, it's it nice is. And, yeah, he is. is. He's a, a legend. legend. I'm like, man. He's a legend. Well,
4: you know what? Um, thanks for participating in our mad minute. Those are some solid answers. But um really, and we like to think that the reason people come here is just for the entertainment value, but uh that's not really the case. Our real mission is uh, kind of is front and center right there in our name, Team Never Quit Podcast. And people come here to either whether it's for inspiration or just to help them deal with what they're going through in their own lives and persevering through that and they come to listen to stories from people such as yourself who've been through incredible difficulty persevered and come out the other side and yeah they gather a lot of knowledge from those stories so if you wouldn't mind sharing with us your greatest never quit story or stories we uh you have the
3: floor sir yeah you know I've been i've been thinking about that for the last couple of days uh you know which one i want to talk about i think probably the you know, military-wise, well, there must all of the military, but it has to be—you know—the first one would be Ranger School. It's kind of funny, Marcus, because <laughs> I, I remember reading your book uh, when I was in when I was in college, and I knew you know from a long time ago. I wanted to join the service and stuff. Also, knew by reading your book, I never as hell wanted to join the Navy and become a SEAL. You um, scared to be-, <laughs> be Jesus out of me with your. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was the whole <laughs> <your> point. <running>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I. That's my first never quit. I actually quit right off the idea of disoriented <laughs> fields. But um, a cautionary no, it tale. Going, it was going to the Army, and it, it, it was ranger school. Um, you know, the second phase, the mountain phase, I'll never forget. It was just, you know, you, you're carrying that weight, and you're out there and, and, you know, going up and down these mountains, and, and it had been raining for five straight days, just a pain in the ass, and I was just fed up, right? You know, you're you're about five weeks in, four weeks in, and, you know, you're carrying about 100 pounds, and, and I remember thinking, like, man, this is just not for me. And there was this guy named Gallardo with me, and I, you know, at the time I didn't know, but Gallardo uh, received uh, the Silver Star on based on Sal Junta's a uh, Medal of Honor um, hmm. uh, uh, firefight. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, he was a squad leader. He got shot. He got shot in the dome. Um, you know, freaking threw his helmet and went back into the firefight out there, leading these guys while Sal went out uh-huh. there to recover his buddies. It was crazy, crazy story. Uh-huh. But anyway, he was there. And I, I really hated the dude uh, because he was a legend out there, everybody knew who he was, and he knew all the RIs Ranger instructors, and um, and he had this freaking attitude of like I'm a badass and you're a piece of shit. But I'll never forget this. I think we're going up this mountain, and we go all the way up to the you know, to the top, and then we, you know, freaking lightning starts striking down, and so they tell us to drop our stuff and and run down the mountain. And I'm gone. I'm down. I'm down at the bottom of the mountain. and I'm just like freaking fed up. I'm like, damn, this shit sucks. Like, I. You know, I don't know if this is for me. You know, you start doubting yourself. You know, physically, it it took a toll, but the mental aspect took a toll too. You know, you're not eating much, you're not sleeping. And I'll never forget this. You know, Gallardo comes up to me, and I guess he saw me, you know, from a mile away, and he's like, Yo, you good? And I'm like, Dude, I don't know, man. I don't know if this is for me. He's like, Yeah, same here. I was shocked. I was like, What? This is like, this dude, you know, like, what the hell? Like, you know, he's like, Look, bro, let's get up this mountain after this, you know, and tomorrow morning we're going to quit together. And I remember thinking like, Gillard is gonna quit too. So that started feeling like a little bit better by myself, thinking like, yo, if I if he's feeling the same way, then I and mean, this must be really hard. Hmm. But anyway, we go up the mountain, we do the patrol, you know, we go out there, set up our um camp and you know, go to, get about an hour of sleep and the next morning, wake up. And he comes up to me, he's like, Yo, you ready to quit? And I'm like, uh, I, I don't know, bro. And he says he says, Well, let's go through today. We'll quit tomorrow. And he did this for about three straight days. And the entire time I'm thinking to myself, like, I didn't I stopped thinking about me. You know, I stopped thinking about how I felt. And I was like, Oh man, I got a responsibility now. If I quit, he quits. And and it's, it was the greatest lesson I've ever heard, you know, ever learned in the military early on, which was, man, it's never about you, right? It's just like, you know, your body can do incredible things. Right, your body can can operate for weeks on end with limited amount of sleep, limited amount of food. Right, mm-hmm. it's about what do you have inside your soul. Are you willing to go out there and take it? And so when I started thinking about another person in my decision making process, it completely changed everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I stopped being so weak. And about the third day into it, you know, he wakes me up. I like, "Yo, we're quitting today." And I looked at him. I was like, and it was all this. It was this sunny day, beautiful, right? And I'm like, kind of look up. I'm like. Nah, I think we're good. And he's like, All right, well don't you know and he said you know don't be a bitch. <laughs> you know, he changed the whole <laughs> thing. He's like he's he's like this is not about quitters, man. You know, this is this is about you going out there and finding out what you got. And he kind of like changed his entire you know mindset on me and, and, and motivated the heck out of me. But I tell you this because that was the toughest thing I ever went through physically. You know, and I wasn't the only one that's got that was out there doubting. And it's okay it's okay to have doubts about yourself in that moment. You know, it was, you
1: know, I... <clears throat> that was you're supposed heartache. to. You're yeah, supposed to have kidding. doubts. That's how you know it's hard, and that's how you know you're training. If, you, if you're if you not having that, that means you've already been there, and it's just like, well, I'll just act like I'm nervous. You know, or, I, or, yeah, or, or yeah. put that pressure, because if you... I mean, you, you're not making any headway if you're not clawing your way through it. It's supposed to be hard.
3: Yeah, and, and you know, I, I went through it, and on today's day, I've never... That that is to me that school was is the best thing I ever gone through. It taught me a lot about myself. First of all, it taught me that if I had a choice between you know in twenty four hour period between uh, twenty minutes of sleep or eating an MRE eating some food, I take the food all day every day. Um, and I you know if you would have told me before that school is like hey if you could take sleep or food which one would you take I say I'll take sleep all day. Man, it is crazy when you don't eat and when you eat calories in your body how that feels. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also learned a lot, you know, about myself in terms of, you know, whether as a leader, you know, what kind mm-hmm. of, you know, what ticks me off, who I who I am uh, when, you know, you don't sleep, you don't eat. And they put this incredible amount of pressure on top of you. I um, also learned that it's okay to be humble and it's okay to tell your, your teams that you don't know shit about shit if you don't know shit about shit. Because mm-hmm. they're, 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 they'd they rather hear that than you making some shit up and, it'll, and you'll work better as a team and i took that lesson I took it right into combat uh my first tour when i was a pl in afghanistan
4: and how did that get applied like you give it an example of them
3: yeah i give you an example the example in ranger school was when they put me so remember i'm a, i'm a lieutenant so this you know no 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 big deal right i'm out there and here i am they put me as a weapon squad leader um in uh in, in in the first phase of ranger school and honestly i had i, I you know i had no idea how to Act like a weapon squad leader, and I had this PFC hmm. who's probably in Delta right now. And then this guy's freaking. His father was in Delta before, and he's badass. And he looked at me. He says, "Hey, sir, uh, he looks like you don't know shit about shit." And was, <laughs> that's why I say use that. And I'm like,
4: "Yeah, with <laughs> yeah, all due do respect." Shit
3: shit. Yeah, and he, and he said he said um, he said, "Look, this is what I'm gonna do." He's like, "Just follow me, and start screaming, act like you know what you're doing." And I'll, I'll put, I'll, I'll tell everyone where to go. I'll do the sectors of fire. I'll position people and I'll call out, you know, fire and all that stuff. I said, sounds good. And that was to me a huge lesson of learning how, you know, as a leader, look, it's okay if you don't know what the hell you're doing, but you got to trust your people. So when I got to Afghanistan, my first tour, I mean, who am I, right? I've never been a firefight in my life. And here I am supposed to lead a platoon. They've been in combat for four months already in the Kunar, right? Right where you're we at, um, Marcus.
1: Yeah.
3: and. And so how
1: the
3: hell do I go out there and tell tell them, like, listen, uh, I'm the boss and follow me, you know? So I remember I went to my platoon sergeant and I said to him, I was like, hey, listen, guy, I, I, you know, I'm I'm Lieutenant Groberg. And the first thing he said to me is that, yeah, I can read your name tag. So that was a great start. Mm. Uh, And I told him, like, hey, I'm taking my pride, my rank, you know, and my ego and put them to the side, like. Gone. I'm asking you men to men to teach me and guide me and mentor me to be the, the right effective leader for this platoon. Because the only thing that matters to me is bringing our men back while accomplishing the mission. And he was, I think, a little shocked at the conversation at first. And he kind of looked at me he's like, alright, that's cool. You know, and we earned that trust right off the bat. He just told me to shut up for the next seven days, you know, and we're going to figure out a way. Uh, he's, he's like, we're going to go on patrol. We're going to get hit. Watch the way we have to contact, the way we communicate with back-to- um, base, the way we call for fire, all that good stuff. We'll talk to the man, find out you know where they're from, but don't get too close to them. And then eventually you're going to get a briefing from the, from the CO, a uh, commanding officer, and you know we'll take that briefing and his intent, and we'll come up with our own plan. But it was about, it was literally that lesson I learned in, in ranger school, which is just because you have a rank doesn't make you a subject matter expert.
4: Hmm.
3: I was the least experienced person in my platoon. You're talking about 18-year-old kids who have been there for four months had a million times more experience in combat than I did. And so who am I to go out there and say, because I have a little butter bar, that I'm out here, I'm, I'm the boss, and you have to follow me, and I know it all. And I think that's the biggest failure that I've seen in a lot of young lieutenants mm. is you know, is, you know know coming out there and saying, hey, because of my rank, obviously you need to show me respect and you need to listen to me. And I've taken those lessons and I, and I apply it to today where I'm at in corporate America, right? It's about mm. people. It's about understanding your role. And being a leader doesn't always mean that you have to be at the forefront and telling people to follow you. You know, sometimes the whole thing, you know, follow me, uh, you know, following others or like, you know, follow me while I lead and things like that. You take that, that perspective and, and you apply it to your day-to-day activities, your day-to-day life or and whatever you're, you're, you're doing. And you don't always have to be that person leading. So
1: I try to lead from the middle. I figured that's the best way. I never made it to the officer rank, so I kind of was the center of the hourglass, the, the the link between the brass and the men and and it's many from from that position you control both sides of the weight. Right? Yeah. You're in the center, center of the bench, so you got you can use both sides of yourself to push or pull whatever you need. And it also keeps you sharp because you Mm got to deal with the guys underneath you and the guys above you. Shit rolls downhill, complaints roll uphill, everybody sits in, you know, just kind of one of those that disseminate amongst the herd. Once you realize that... Even if you are the most powerful man in the room, that doesn't matter. That's incumbent upon you to step back, watch, look, listen, and see what's happening. See who thinks they know what's going on. Think who thinks they know, but they don't have a damn clue. And then everything in between. The trick is to combine the top to the bottom and make it one cohesive unit to where it runs so smooth that there is no leader. There is no head of the snake. So if you take one of us down, it doesn't cripple Mm -hmm. us. Right For every guy knows who every guy is and what he's capable of. And while we go through all this, it's incumbent upon each other to talk to each other and simplify things for the guys. It's not that you're young. Well, it is that you're young. You don't know anything. It's already – it's all there. It's just a matter of whether or not you see it, why you step back and you, you actually pay attention to what's being said in front of you and how to yeah. apply it to, to make sure that you don't – even if you do miss something, man, that's all right. That's what the team's for. Cause eventually it'll, you know, somebody'll catch it and they'll see what's what's going on and whether or not it's going good or it's going bad or it's going in between. Cause combat and everything that we do is, you know, it's a duck on a pond. It's smooth, we're smooth sailing on top, of our feet are going nine hundred miles an hour just to try to keep you keep keep it center, right? Yeah. And, uh, it is. It's it's every time you go into a new situation, you, you step back and and always listen. Just like they say, you don't run to your death in combat, man. We're mm. gonna walk in there, just like an old bull, new bull, right, or young bull. This is like, hey, we're just, let's just walk down there and we'll see what's going on. We get hit in the face, well, at least we know we're in a fight. But other, until that happens, man, let's just watch this thing unfold, see how it plays down, and and um, trust your guys.
3: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I said, you know, people. It's funny because you know, people ask me as an officer, and and people don't get it, right? I mean, you know, they've seen your, they've read your book, um, they've seen the movie and, and, you know, then you got the little Hollywood aspect to it and people always think about combat as like this, you know, uh, nonstop firefight, bombs dropping, you know, chaotic things, but I, I, people are shocked when I tell them, like, hey, listen, you know, I fired, you know, seven magazines in my first, you know, six magazine in my first tour. That's it. And they're like, what? Like, you got all these firefights? You, yeah, I'm like, because my weapon for me, at the time, was a freaking radio. The radio, <laughs> you know, I had I had I had my soldiers, you know, with the two forty with the saw, I, you know, I had my snipers and all that stuff. I was an officer. They don't understand it. Like, you know, my job is to freaking call, you know, drop bombs on these folks. You know, if I don't have a JTAC, you know, here that, that was me. Well, my platoon star on the radio. I didn't have an RTO, uh, my first tour, so that was my job. But my job, you know, if I need a speedball, if I need, you know, if I I need to tell the you know, the company. Hey, this is we're in a firefight and this is where we're doing. This is where we're at. This is what we need. And, you know, you orchestrate the whole the whole scene and people don't get it. They're like, so what? you're just standing there. I'm like, no, you're not standing there. Literally, you're moving around. But, I, you know, you got to trust your people. You know, they're the best of the best at that point. You know, I got squad leaders. I got team leaders, you know, taking care of the firefight for me, taking care of the sectors. You know, it's just the name of the game. And then and if most, you find that asshole that, that wants to go out there and like you know be Rambo. He has to do that's, that's going to get people killed.
1: Yeah, most. I mean, you – the battles where all the bombs are dropping and artillery—that means that there's a lot of people there. You get in a situation where they're constantly. That means somebody important's there, or you stumbled on something you should have kind of deal, or you should have. And the more that it, it is a constant lull, I mean, man, that I, you know. It can, can go for a while or it can be intermittent, fast, yeah. hits you, come out. I don't see it's a they're constantly har- harassment fire. You know what I'm talking about? Well, that, that That's what they're proficient at in Afghanistan a harassment fire. they just kind of move around the mountains mm-hmm. and just and hit you with it. Yeah. When it's an all on engagement, and I mean, it's going down. Yeah, those do happen. A lot of people they base that off of watching the movies about the wars. Previous to the guys fighting in the present war, like World War, II, yeah, all that big stuff, like every, every everything shifts and the dynamic and the but
3: yeah, but I mean, like you kind of look at your situation, you look at uh, Romache's situation, you know, at Keating, yeah, those are not like your day to day firefights no, uh, in Afghanistan. Yeah, those are very rare, almost where you have that amount of enemy, amount of you know a group of enemy that is coming down on you and chasing you and trying to overtake you, and you know when you guys went through that's. I shit man, I had like I remember being in Afghanistan, my second tour, and I'm pretty sure like I was having like these nightmares thinking, you know, going back from my own firefights, but like think about your situation, right? That's going like to, running down the freaking mountain and then thinking like if I get caught up in this kind of shit, like what do I do? How do you get out? Because people don't understand. Hmm. Afghanistan, man, these people move at a different rate. Oh like they're freaking ghosts. Mountain ghosts, man.
1: Yeah, just haul the mail through there. It's, it's unbelievable. I tell people now, I use the analogy, just like our Navy SEALs love our gear. Most SF dudes, everybody, we love our gear. Imagine playing any sport that you love on the side of a mountain, right? I started that fight. I had everything mm-hmm. I owned. All my kit. Three hours later, I was butt naked. And all my gear was gone. They whipped my ass till I was naked and killed every one of my teammates. That's how yeah. bad that was. I don't know if you ever had your ass whipped till your clothes come off, but I have. <laughs> it was brutal. It sucked so bad. I mean, it's a you know, it's cool. It's a as far as warriors go, man. I you know, en- embraced the flame. I, I did. I do. It was an honor to walk in that battle. It truly was. But let me yeah. tell you something, dude. That was a fight. I I hadn't ever been in one like that since. I've been close, but never. Never something to where they whip me till I was naked, dude. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> hard to explain, though. <laughs> it is, dude. Uh, hats off to them, guys. Man, they can fight like you can't believe. It's like it's like a pissed off, just <laughs> tight. Just they're supremely adapted to that dude, There's no doubt. The way that's, they that's their history. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's, like, it's just like us fighting in our backyard. It's anything. I mean, yeah. it's it's relative. I mean, they are. It's amazing how they can defy. Gravity is the way I say it because the way they run the side of those and they'll be standing right on top of you just looking down. And you're holding on for dear life. It's it's something.
3: You know, I'll tell you what, Mark. In that movie, I think you know you did a lot of um, great justice for for you know the common folks who are watching this the movie. In in the scene of the kid running down yeah. the mound, the way he's moving, because I, I that is what I use an example when I talk to folks about like how fast they are. I'm like, watch, just go watch the movie and then watch the way this kid moves and then tell me how incredible that is i remember we uh, we dropped a, uh, a predator on on this on these you know this these two jackasses and then uh, wahidi governor of uh, of uh, sun kunar wow. province he uh, he made his big deal saying we killed a bunch of civilians well guess what we got the feed so we went out there uh, you know to show him the feed and say stop lying right here here's your you know, you can see these guys are shooting at us, and then you can see, the you know, the Predator, you know, hitting, right? And we'll watch, and we had a whole video on this thing. But what's amazing after is you see these three other dudes that come in and pick up the body, and they're carrying one of their bodies, and they're flying down this mountain with a, holding a body. Yeah. They're going so fast, and you're like, that's why we can't ever see them. And you talk about harassment, fire, that's how they move. They'll shoot from one, you know, one location, sprint to the next location, shoot again, So you're like, where the hell are they? They're shooting from all sorts of directions, probably the same group.
4: Crazy. (laughs) Well, we're talking about, you know, a lot of lessons learned in combat or in training and and whatnot. And after the whole Medal of Honor uh, was received and the weight of that, you know, we've talked to guys about that before. And you become a public figure and you take on a new responsibility. Could you talk a little bit about how, what you've learned through that or how previous lessons have served you well going
3: into that? Well, I'll tell you what, Mom, when I got the call from Obama, President Obama, about receiving the medal, September 20, uh, 2021, 2018 Oh, wait, I'm sorry.
4: Let, let me interrupt you real quick. There's an interesting yeah. story I saw you talk about with the original. It was like the pre-scheduling call you received. <laughs> Can you tell that story? This is this is Hell interesting. Yeah. yeah.
3: So, um, you know, after... I just so I got out of the army in two thousand July two thousand fifteen and then I went um, I went to work for a three letter agency right after that. Uh, did some fun stuff and we got to go to a, a place you guys probably know about, um, out there in near Las Vegas and you know, close to Area fifty one, little areas over there, you know, printing site. Yep. and we're doing little uh, uh-huh. inserts and all that good stuff. And my phone like, literally, the entire time. So, I, you know, my wife now, we're dating at the time. I told her I'd be gone for about 10 days, and we have no cell phone service out there. And But I still have my phone with me. And I'll never forget this. I'm walking out of Chow Hall, and I'm about to go back to the uh, to the barracks, and my phone rings. I'm like, what the hell? And it says <laughs> zero, 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 00000 on it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is really creepy. So I pick it up. I'm like, hello? And this is guy's He's like, hey, is this uh, Captain Grover? And, No, at this point, I'm a civilian, right? I'm like, uh, yeah, I mean, it was. You know, I'm retired. He's like, hey, this is Colonel Slade from the Pentagon. I just want to call you and let you know that on Monday, September 21st, between the hours of 1,400 and 1,430, you're going to be receiving a call from a senior high-ranking official. Is this a good number to call you at? I'm like, (laughs) "Uh, what? Yes. He's like, okay. He's like, make sure don't miss that call. And he's like, and he hung up. And then he hung up, and my phone went freaking no service again. No, I was just kind of looking around. There's no one around me. I'm like, this is the creepiest thing have ever happened to me. I'm like, this is when I figure out, you know, I'm working for these people. And I'm like, man, I didn't know they could just turn on the cell phone tower around or something. And it was, it was <laughs> pretty
1: amazing they, it, what they can do.
3: <laughs> unbelievable. I'm like, how the hell, you, first of all, how, how do you know where I'm at? How are you reaching me? And, and, and how did you make this happen? And I remember going to my boss, who, you know, he was an SF guy. And I I told him the story. He's like, yo, did you do anything stupid in Afghanistan? I said, I don't know, probably. But he's like, yeah, you're going after all these people now. So now I'm scared because I didn't know this was about the metal. (laughs) I thought I was being investigated for something. You know, you've seen all these stories now, like for what you did, right? And I was like, oh, shit. Like, what did I do? I started trying to replay scenarios. And I was like, no, I don't think I ever did anything legal technically. But, you know, I freaked out. And he's like, just take Monday off. (laughs) Just, you know, don't miss that call. But then... You know, on Monday, on the twenty-first, yeah, you get a call from President Obama, he's, and and I'd met him a few times, and he's saying, "Hey, Flo, listen, it's my great honor to, you know, I'm going to be presenting you with a medal. It comes with great responsibility with this, um, and you know, he's, you're going to be part of a uh, of a small group of, of folks, and and you know, there's going to be a lot of responsibility behind this, and and he's like, "Well, we'll we'll talk more in the in the coming weeks, and I'll never forget this hanging off the phone." Um, I never felt so much shame in my life, and that when after that phone call, and it's because I realized at that point, like my life has changed completely, right? Um, I just couldn't grasp the idea of a Medal of Honor. To me, it was like almost a myth, right? Mm-hmm. I, I never met a Medal of Honor recipient. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the only guy I've, I've come close to me was it was Clint Romache, because we're in the same unit.
1: Um.
3: but I did You know, I, I I saw him pass by, but he didn't have the medal at the time. But here I am, and now people are going to call you a hero, and I got four dudes killed in my patrol, right? I mean, Gray, Kennedy, you know, uh, freaking Griffin, and Reggae all died. And so here you are going to call me a hero and put this smell around my neck, and I'm like, I, I, uh, the greatest failure and the worst day of my life, in my opinion. So the only thing I could think about was I need to call the Gold Star Families. I need to call, you know, uh, Gray, Kennedy's... <laughs> In Griffin's family, uh, Reggae, you know, he was from Egypt and his wife went back to Egypt after he was killed. So, you know, I lost contact. But I remember calling the families and asking them, I, you know, saying, sorry, I'm so sorry. But like, here's here's the situation. And if I can't accept this, unless you approve of it and unless you're going to be there every step of the way, because this is more this is about you. This is about your husband. You mm-hmm. know, and this is about what he, they sacrifice for us and for me. And that was the only way I could justify it. And since then, it's been the same thing. Every time I talk about the medal, I mm-hmm. have to talk about the guys, you know, that were killed that day. Because if you think about the medal as being yours and then you don't, you, you don't understand anything about anything in terms, you know, we don't wear a damn uniform, mm-hmm. and we don't go serve this country for for medal. And it's been really tough. You know, with it comes responsibility. And I know we all do it different. Uh, Dakota does it very different, right? He, he, mm-hmm. he hates the metal. Uh, he doesn't want to be associated with the metal. He, and and that's okay. Uh, you know, when he got it, there was a lot of, you know, he wasn't accepted the way he expected to be accepted by those folks. And and he's doing his own thing. And I and I freaking love Dakota for who he is and what he stands for. Um, you know, Kyle has got his own thing. Um, you know, we all have our own story.
1: Dakota likes to create his own hell. He's like, he, he's upset about getting that medal for what he does, but I mean, he gets in crazy fights every day. <laughs> Poor bastard. Well, I mean, he's, he's trying to fight the teen fight mom. Serious, right? <laughs> oh yeah. <that> guy. Dude. <laughs> I forgot about that. He's always got something going on. He just, that's his uh, thing, man. And just, yeah, he just. I don't know. I love, I love him to death, man. Yeah, he's great. No, 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 or something but, else, brother.
3: <laughs> but, yeah, man, it's been um, – I don't know, man. It's just, you know, it changes your life, but it's about what you make of it. And to me, it's a great opportunity to really give back to the community. Um, I never talked about August 8, 2012 for three-plus years of my life. You know what I mean? Like, I, I never did. I lost 50% of my, my, my left lower left leg, definitely, you know, this year, left ear. I went through a pretty, pretty brutal, um, you know, concussion in essence. And I went through some, you know, people <clears throat> tell you what, yes, like if you, you know, I, I didn't sleep for months. Um, and I, you know, I, I was, man, I was suicidal for a little while too, <clears throat> because I was on so many drugs in the hospital and I was I had that survivor's guilt, uh, once I once I put the metal on my neck, it forced me to talk about it, and it's kind of crazy how therapeutic <laughs> talking about it is. It is right. I agree, and it's changed my life. You know, it's um, you know between meeting my wife and 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 being able to talk about it is you know it's kept me above ground and it's given me a new perspective, and 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 it's just it's freaking amazing. I, I had a question. I spoke the other you know about a month ago, and someone says like, how how, how can you? Talk about this all the time, like because I, I get to talk about my friends when they come home. Yeah, I get to, you know, I get to. You you got to hear their names. You got to hear their story. Mm-hmm. They're gonna live forever. You know, as long as anyone reads anything about me, they're gonna read about Gray. You're gonna read about Kennedy. You're gonna read about Griffin. They're gonna read about Reggae. You know, that's right. That's right. You know, just next level.
4: We kind of grazed over something real quick there. That for, you said for three years, you practically didn't talk about it. So that's a transitionary yeah. period, and there was probably some really useful lessons learned in how you went through that transition, who supported you, how you converted from being in a dark space into you know where you are now. would you like yeah. to talk about that a little bit?
3: Yeah, I mean, you guys know Travis Mills, obviously right oh, do. He's, he's been on a show uh, great guy yeah. You know, he's the one that got me through my initial dark phase. You know, he came in my hospital room. Iron, November, man, Iron Man, dude. That's Iron Man. God, unreal. By wait don't ever go to Starbucks with Travis Mills, because you fuck, fr- he scares the shit out of these people, man. He gave his arm to the lady as she was trying to give him, um, you know, his freaking. Starbucks coffee, and he thinks it's funny. I'm like, dude, you're gonna <laughs> give her a heart attack, bro. <laughs> you know? that's
1: like the guys yeah. who pull their eye out and pull that trick in the drink, like drop their eyeball in the drink. I mean, it's funny for us, right? We can get if you do that yeah. to some young poor girl behind the counter at Starbucks. She's gonna freaking need a yeah, doctor.
3: Really. But um, um, yeah, he uh, he really he came into my room, and I guess he had heard about you know this angry captain who knows sat. Set at himself and you know mad again, you know, mad at himself and hates the world. Anyway, he came in and gave me in fifteen minutes changed my entire perspective, right? He reminded me of my mission in life, the oath I took. He reminded me about the guys that were you know that were gone and the opportunity to really, you know, honor them and talk about them and making sure that you know I live my life to the best of my abilities and I earn it. Um and so that was really one of the most impactful things that ever happened to me because you know, here you go. You have a quadruple amputee that comes in on four prosthetics with a smile on his face, loving the world, saying, man, what a good day to be alive. What a great day to call South Americans, right? And here I am with a little boo-boo on my left leg, and I'm complaining about, you know, my situation. This guy, man, he dropped some knowledge on me real quick, and he dropped some perspective and a reality check. Um, and he did it while being humble and, no, you know, and, and, and just, you know, with a smile. And so that was really the, the initial step of my transition but it took years you know it took years i didn't sleep for for a couple of years i mean i was ambient um i just couldn't sleep right it's not like i was having a nightmare. i just couldn't go to sleep it just sucked mm-hmm. and i don't to this day i can't even explain it like you know you you're, if you go to sleep you wake up an hour later and then you're just wide awake um and you know and, and a lot of it was like i had to forgive myself in, in a weird way right and you know, yeah, I had to go out there and, and, and you know, be be honest with myself. It's fucking war. People die. That's the reality. Yeah. A suicide bomber, I you know, I, I threw him. He landed at my feet. He detonated. I lived. You know, four of my brothers then who were at least 20 to 25 feet away. You know, I don't make that decision. It's just the way it works. And I had to really be honest with myself. And I, ne- and I needed to, you know, tell myself, hey, bro, you did the best that you could on that day. And that's just the way it works, man. That is the deck of cards, and that's the card that you pulled out, and that's the card that they pulled out as war, right? And it's ugly. Mm -hmm. Nothing pretty about it. And so, you know, it took years to really go through that internal process in my own head. But when I was transitioning out, the one thing that I I knew that I, I needed to do was I needed to find mentors. I needed to find individuals who understood my background and where i was coming from and who had succeeded in that transition piece and i needed to latch on learn as much as i could right Mm -hmm. i hate that saying like you know put your shit in your kit bag right but it's like you know you you literally had to go out there and like i ask questions put yourself out there um and so when i was transitioning out that's what i did you know i found the shepherd i found uh, other folks out there who just you know infantrymen army dudes who you know had that success went through some pretty sh- uh, crazy shit themselves, but nothing was like that until I received the medal. And when I got the medal, I, I did, I, I-, I called South right, Junta. I called you know Leroy Petrie, um, uh, Clint Romache, and I just asked them, I said, Man, how do you deal with this? What do you do? And this is when it, it-, it dropped some knowledge on me. And they said Listen, man, you can pick one or two routes, you can just disappear, you know, go through the initial little like fanfare stuff and do your own thing. Or you can go out there and like talk about things and and highlight your brothers uh, and highlight the, their stories. And so I went with that. Um, but I also went with it like saying, like, I also want to continue to live my life and, you know, working, earning mm-hmm. it. And in the end, if I can be remembered one way, this is the way I want to remember it. Like, he was a good husband, a good father, uh, a good, you know, he supported his community, to his best of his abilities. Oh, and also he served his country, Right. And that would be the last way, you know, last thing on, on the list. I don't ever want to be remembered as a, a, a Melvada recipient because that's never why. That's not why I joined the military. I joined the military to go out there, find, fix, and destroy these individuals, man. You know, they killed my uncle when I was twelve years old in Nigeria. They beheaded him. They dismembered him. They put him in a box and sent him to my grandfather. That's the first time I I, I learned anything about terrorism.
4: Can we and, just go into into a little bit deeper explanation of that because that goes into you know. You were born in France. You came to the United States. How has that affected your life, benefited you, or just played a role in your story?
3: Well, I think it's played a role in the story. It got um, used for political reasons um, uh, in, a, in the last election, right, as an immigrant. because a whole immigrant piece thing.
0: Mm-hmm. But
3: in reality, here, here's what, you know, I was born in France. My mom is French-Algerian, right? Uh, and, you know, I, I didn't speak English. I was 12 years old. But, you know, so you know, when I came to this country, I was literally like English as a second language in, in school. It was pretty, pretty interesting times. You know, kids are <laughs> assholes, man.
4: <laughs> but um, never but, put you right there.
3: but when I was 12, when I came here, you know, my uncle, uh, so I'm, you know, to you know give a background, people think it's funny because I'm brown, got a big nose and stuff, you know, and I tell them I'm Lutheran. And they're like, what? Like, are you serious? We always thought you're Muslim because I have a Muslim family uh, on my mom's side. Right. My mm-hmm. uncle, who was like literally my hero as a kid, you know, he, he all growing up he wanted to do was be an imam, right? He wanted to be a preacher of the Muslim faith. And so he did that. He was 20 years old, He became an imam. Um, and then a GIA, terrorist organization, came in to Algeria. You know, I tried to mm-hmm. compare it to Al-Qaeda. I compared it really more ISIS, right? And they went in there and they said, oh, hold on. You have women wearing miniskirts out there in the middle of Algiers. You have people drinking alcohol. like You have people partying. This is terrible and we're gonna bring Sharia law and take over. And so they try to do that and the military fought back. The government fought back. And my uncle said, Well shit man, this is not what I preach. This is not what I believe in with these people. So he went in and joined the military. He became a commando out there. Hell he went to freaking Fort Bragg and did some you know training with the spec ops guys out there. And then on a on the ceasefire in nineteen ninety six to observe Ramadan, of all things, right? You figure these people are going to go out there and preach. I like,
4: think they'd at least respect that, right? Right.
3: I mean, Ramadan, like, you know, they on a ceasefire, they ambushed him and his patrol as they were going back to their base, and they shot him. Then they took him, and they beheaded him, dismembered him, put him in a box, and sent him to the grandfather. Um, and the reason they send my grandfather, because my grandfather's... Uh, as a he's pretty well known out there. He was part, you know, he he was a prisoner of war in the French uh, Vietnam, the French Indochine, no. and then he was part of the guys that uh, kicked out the French, right? In 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 a in the sixties, he was a leader out there, so he was well known out there. And and they sent it to my grandfather as a statement saying, "We'll kill anyone and everyone, and this is what we'll do." And so when that my father told me exactly that story. You know, it's tell me what happened to my uncle. And at that point, I was, that was the last time I remember. <laughs> I, I just, I went in my room. I had some GI Joes growing up and stuff, put them on a, in a, in a, in a trash bag and I threw it out. And I said, I'll never fucking play soldier again until I become a soldier. And you fast forward a couple of years later, nine 11 <laughs> happens. It's the same type of people. Right. And so, you know, you're you know, at that point, There was no doubt what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Um, and, you know, in my mind. And so that's when I went out there and went to fight. I went to fight. Went to kill these people. Um and you know, I came out of it with a completely different perspective. Right? You know, I went to war to kill people and I came out with like understanding of, of love and brotherhood. Mm. You know. And it's crazy. People don't get it. You know, but it's just like I didn't mm. really care about the enemy as much when I was out there in a firefight. I cared about my people to my right and to my left. Right. right. You know, I, I want to take out every single bad dude for sure, but you start worrying more about like shit, man. Let me kill this dude because he's about to kill my buddy. Um, but at that, there's nothing. I, I you know, I, I hope not. At least I feel like I've lived my life, and maybe when I have a kid, there'll be that moment. But like in terms of like when that bullet whizzes by your head, you're like, oh shit, right? You know, it is a rush. You're like, oh man, this is the rush, man. You're like, this is it. We're well, we're in business. You know, you go you go after it. It's just it's a weird feeling. But um, I'll tell you what, the first bullet I ever whizzed by my head, I was, uh, i just got into my first combat outpost. I've been, I mean, I'm green as I get. I had that conversation the night prior with my platoon sergeant. So I'm outside, it's 6 a.m., I'm pissing, right? A little, we're a little hole outside and you're pissing. And um, <clears throat> there's this, the, our fueler, uh, the guy that, you know, pumps fuel, his name was uh, McPhee, big black guy. And he's pissing too. I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? He's like, what's up, dude? i was like, I'm Flo. He's like, I'm, I'm McPhee. I'm like, that's cool. And then you hear, zoop, right by my head. And then I see this thing, like, right in the wall right in front of me, just explode. It was a freaking sniper that took a shot at my head. Right <laughs> by my head. I had no idea what the hell was going on. The only thing I remember, though, I'm a, is that this viewer's big-ass penis, right? <laughs> Fucking, like, the, I call it the snake. It's flavoring around everywhere. And he got this guy, my feet goes, oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> he's shooting at us. He's shooting at us. And here I am. I just got shot at It's him. like a three-inch fire hose just got loose. <laughs> <laughs> this shit it. that sticks yeah, in it. your head, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this, thing, this thing going everywhere. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, man, put this thing back in your pants. He's like, shoot he not us sir. And he's going around everywhere. And of course, another shot comes in. That's when I realized, oh no, oh you're, yeah, they're definitely shooting at us now. But I'm like, yo, you need to take this thing away. It is distracting <laughs> me, man. <laughs> that's these these are the moments you know you kind of think back at and you laugh at, right? You know, and that's you, you can't replicate this anywhere else, right? It's just no, no, you know, yeah, that's it's just
1: that bull whip. You never forget it when it's personal, no. like when that dude no. was like actually shooting at your head and that bull whip cracks and, and <laughs> like what the.
3: Man, yeah, it's <laughs> you, got, you got a human being literally. Like uh, you think about it, like, that is trying to kill you. Yeah, and, trying to kill and, you. And in the end, you do the same thing, right? And I still got that. I well, I took the round and I kept it and I put it in my in my pocket for the rest of the tour. And I have a picture of it. Those assholes when we we're coming back to the states, you know, they go through all your shit. They saw my round. They're like, you can't take that back to the United States. I'm like, what do you mean? It's a fucking expended round. They hit a wall. It's smashed in. Like it's a, it's 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 going to be. I'm going to freaking mount this. thing. Whoever said they're that like, was no, dumb. You can't, no, you can't bring a live ammunition. I'm like, it's not live ammunition, bro. It took it. You away. could technically
4: throw it, it at someone. That. No, uh, sure. Whoever, <laughs> you know,
3: whoever
1: that was, that they that's ridiculous. That was one of the dudes in. He's pissed off. He never got to go do anything, so he's not going to let you go yeah. do anything. Uh, I, those guys. It was
3: a bagram bagram.
1: Freaking irritating. Yeah, yeah. I spent a lot of time there.
3: Yep.
4: <laughs> well, you know what we uh, at the end of any interview we like to try to encapsulate a couple pieces of wisdom, or it can be anything we've talked about. It can be completely unrelated to what we've talked about, but we like to ask our guest for a couple pieces of wisdom or advice. That has meant a lot to them, and is really, um, you know, just something you can you can pass on. You never know what's going to stick with who hears it, so yeah. you can think of a couple items to put out there.
3: Yeah, I think the first one for me, and I live by this. Trust me, you know what I'm. My current work position, the company I'm with, we're going through some tough times, and um, you know, I believe in one thing: is you know, in every negative situation, find a positive, and then fixate on that positive you know, lock yourself in a, in a room and just, you know, think about that positive and, and you know, live through it. So, you know, when I, for example, August 8th, you know, I lost my friends, right? And, you know, after a conversation with, with, with Travis, you know, I, I really found that positive, which was, man, I get to talk about them. I get to honor them. I get to represent them. Um, I, I, you know, I've done Christmases, I've done Thanksgivings with their families, right? And it's like, you know, they're my family. And, I need to, you know, cherish that and honor that, and so instead of feeling sorry for myself and being angry at the world, you know, on the negative side, I focus on that positive. It gives me an opportunity to really highlight them and, and really live for something greater than myself. Uh, and so, in any situation, no matter what happens, you know, fucking Chicago Bears kicker missing that damn, you know, field goal uh, mm. against the Eagles, right? You know, I, what's the positive? The positive is that at least uh, the bears made it to the playoffs after 10 years, they're not doing shit. Right. And so I, that's the biggest lesson that I have. I tell people this all the time. Like, you know, when you are going through some tough times, you know, find one positive and just, just, just that's the only thing you can think of. Right. And then last, the last one, the next one is man, humble yourself. Always humble yourself. Um, I feel like, a, you know, I got a great wife. I got my dog, I got my cat. I got a great family. I got a great job. Um, and, you know, and every day I'm, I, I think about how I got there and what it took. And then I remember that, you know, not everyone has had the same opportunities as me. And then I got to go out there and make sure that I give back and also got to make sure that I earn it. I humble myself. You never take it for granted. Uh, and you never go out there and, 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 and you know, sh- be that show off type of guy. And so if you can humble yourself, I think that's going to be that that that's going to give you an opportunity to truly appreciate what you have in front of you. And it's also going to give you an opportunity to truly go out there and make something yourself that's greater than you ever thought you could could be. So these are two two things, you know, two words of advice and and last one, fucking be probably a goddamn country, right? Hmm. I'm so sick and tired of people looking at our country right now and feeling sorry for ourselves. Are you kidding me? We are the greatest country in the world. Why? Because no one stands up to evil and assholes and shit the way we do. And guess what? It's a freaking honor that we can argue on both sides right now. Right? The freedom of speech, that's what is. It doesn't mean we all have to freaking agree with one single point of view. It's because we have the ability to debate. That's what makes us special. And guess what? You have men and women who die every day for that right to debate. So be proud of our country. And, I, and I'm tired of seeing people out there saying like, man, we've lost ourselves. We're not the same or blah, blah, blah. And, you know, people think we're we're, we're a bad country now. No, man, screw that. Screw that. We, it's an honor for the fact that we can go out there and argue <laughs> with each other, right? We got to keep it to a limit, sure right? Not hate. You can argue with each other. But because there are way too many people out there who have put their lives on the line and we never came home for that damn right. So we need to honor that piece. So that's my three piece of advice. Well,
1: that's awesome, Excellent. brother, man. That truly is. You, you've had a, uh, a blessed run, a good, great adventure so far. I well, was just getting started, man, but good job. And thank you again for coming on here and sharing that with us and our listeners, man. I know they're going to get a lot from that dude. I I know I have. Thank you. Yeah. I've enjoyed sitting, talking to you.
3: Thanks guys. Marcus, man, I'll tell you what, I swear. I'm not kidding. I swear to God. I mean, I, uh, it's funny. Your book, uh, your story, a massive uh, a part a massive role in my military career um, when I was just a kid you know reading and in college no military background um, I, it really it gave me a perspective one like I said it made me definitely not want to be a seal um <laughs> I I just don't do well in water you guys are next level in that piece so but uh you know it really that brotherhood and and become you know I was a division one athlete and and uh, you know you kind of look at like what do I do next after this I knew I want to go to the military I just didn't know where and what uh, it really, it really allowed me to make that decision of where I wanted to go and, and understand the reality behind, you know, the decision I was about to make uh, and the consequences, too. So I really to that, I don't, you know, I've, I think I said this to you at SHOT Show almost four years ago, um, uh, but it's it's uh, it, it played a huge part. And I appreciate you for that. I appreciate everything you've done. Wizard, same thing, brother. You know what you're doing and, and what you've done. And uh, it's just an honor to be here on your podcast. Uh, sharing a few words and and you know be fucking great americans
1: you bet brother god bless you man enjoy this day and we'll uh we got his number of course we do all right cool we'll be in touch man
3: all right guys appreciate y'all thanks buddy take care yep take care
1: care. now well marcus I feel like we've been here before. You know why um, we feel like we've been here Another great guest, right? Seriously, well, man. <laughs> that's one reason. The
4: other reason is the fact that we just recorded this outro and I failed to hit the record button. We're
0: no, do it again, man. but
4: this time it's going to be better than ever. That's right. <laughs> Let's talk about flow. Let's right. talk about how um, interesting of a guest that was and what how much story. we appreciate it.
1: What a great story, man. I mean when you yeah. when you read those uh, adventure tales and books or any movies that you watch, it, it always has to do with that. I mean, the ones that started with nothing, worked their way up, climbed their way through the you know, even with him, immigrant coming what over a great immig- story arc. Yeah, the arc, right? It's just uh, it's just fantastic, man. And then joining the service, serving this this country that his parents brought him to and earning our highest medal of honor. I mean, that's for, for Valor. It's pretty Pretty amazing oh, tale. It, it goes
4: without saying how just impressive that is. But um, so what stuck? What stood out to you,
1: man? You know he, his points of uh, his pearls of wisdom at the end of that. That's kind of one of my favorite segments, man. Is when everybody wraps that up and drops that. You know, find a positive. Everything. Mm-hmm. Humble yourself before everything, and and never take anything for granted. That's that's the. Uh, those are those yeah. Are in words. Every
4: situation, all in every situation, try to find the positive. Which yeah. sounds so obvious, but. You know how difficult that can be sometimes. Sure,
1: I, you know I mean? it's designed that way. You know, sometimes we forget the the world that we occupy and it's fast paced and, and what we're doing. Get in the best we can. So um, you know what else? When he was talking about yeah. the uh, the what was that guy's name in Ranger School? His mentor Gallardo. Gallardo. Right? right. We all have one of those. It's like the guy. the man, that's the guy. I, uh, Guys like that, I hate being in the military. The right, core, and then it's like, yeah. man, guys like that are the reason I joined the military. I mean, that that line of range fifteen was epic when they dropped uh, that because it's true. I remember the character that Gene Vanderham? Gene yeah, Vanderham. We all have those. That's I, the image I've got for that, that's in my head. That's perfect. That's like our generation of Rambo. Gen X is Rambo. Is that guy right there, man? <laughs> and he, yeah, man, he causes a lot of chaos, and and he's it's crazy to look at him, but. He gets the job done, right? <laughs>
4: it's, it's just the power of mentors, though, and it also is. for Travis Mills. Travis Mills, a former guest of ours, great guy. If you haven't listened to that show, go back and mm. check it out. It's absolutely worth your time. You're gonna you're gonna take a lot away from it. But he comes back in this story here and his influence with Flow, um, and I think that's part of where he started talking about uh, it, back to the finding the positive in every situation and how. His influence allowed Flo to eventually, you know, realize the positive of being able to discover the privilege that he had to honor those that were lost um, that day and um, carry their memory forward. Absolutely. You know? So, thank you so much for for sitting down with us, uh, Flo. Maybe we'll get to do it again sometime. Let's um, let's do some housekeeping and then do a
1: listener story. What do you say? You got it, brother. Sounds good. All right. How to listen? You can stream us directly from our website at tnqpodcast.com and virtually any other podcast app whether it's on an iPhone or an Android, iTunes, Stitcher, Cast Castbox and Radio Public is where you can find us. All right. And for social media, you can
4: start out by checking us out at Team Never Quit on really any of the major social media outlets. If uh, on on Instagram, we have uh, the TNQ Podcast for Marcus, it is Marcus Latrell and for myself, you can find me the underscore wizard
1: underscore TNQ. Or just simply type in TNQpodcast.com and you can listen directly to all of our current and past episodes. We have everyone from David Goggins, Goggins Mike yeah, Rowe, Missy Franklin, Dakota Meyer, Mark Wahlberg, love you, brother, and Mr. Excuse me, Sir, Sir Robert Young Pelton, Robert Young Pelton, Mr. Charlie Plum, Laird Hamilton, all the way to Andre Agassi and everybody in between. It truly has been a blessing to, uh, to host this show and all the people who come on it. As far as merchandise, we have everything from hats to shirts. But our favorite and probably the best thing about the, uh, the website is the uh, listener write-in stories. One mm-hmm. of our favorite elements of the show are those who write in and tell their personal never-quit stories to us and all of our listeners. And we truly thank you for doing that. Please keep, keep writing in, man. It's, uh, it's just like a book of motivational experiences, one page after the other. And uh, you can find nice those words. at Submit Your Own Story under the menu tab at Share Your Story.
4: That said, we got one right now, um, one that I think dovetails particularly well with with Groberg's story. This is from Luca, who is uh, also an immigrant to this country. He writes saying, I want to start off by thanking you all for everything you've done, both in your military career as well as outside of it. You have truly helped me to wake up to my true self and passion. My story starts as a child, too young. I moved to the good old U.S. of A. from Romania in 2006 when I was seven years old. Living in Chicago was no easy, to, no easy task surrounded by bad influences. When I was 12 or 13, I was pressured into doing the cool thing and taking pills. I started my long road of struggle, depression, and addiction to Xanax at that time. This plagued me until the 4th of July of this year, but more on that later. My addiction developed more and more on a weekly basis, until I was no longer myself and had no more morale, energy, or will to survive and thrive any longer. My lowest point was that as an 18-year-old, I was slipping from reality, and my body was taking the toll. I sustained many injuries due to carelessness, including seizures, almost severing my thumb, six fractures below the ankle on my left foot, as well as a broken arm. I had no burning fire left inside me at that point, and I slipped into into a depressive state beyond belief. I did not pay attention to the world, and the world paid no attention to me. On the 4th of July, 2018, I had a realization— what in the world am I doing? I'm in the greatest country on the planet and I'm throwing away my opportunities in life. I decided to take my American strength, yes, American, not Romanian or anything else, and reignite the burning fire that I had once burning inside of me. I quit the pills and the following months were the toughest of my life. The never quit mindset is the only thing that kept me alive and pushed me to thrive. I always did well in school and I went from a loser to a passionate young man with a very sharp mind applying at Purdue University and aerospace engineering i got in and in fact i'm currently writing this for my dorm room i listen to your podcast daily to motivate me and keep up the fire i'm truly living the american dream now and i thank god every day for being able to live in this country being protected by the strongest most courageous men and women on this planet our military thank you for your movement and thank you for the guidance that you've given me even without knowing who i am I'm applying to multiple internships regarding the defense of our great country and I will not quit until I achieve my dream. I love that. These stories, they just, they, they hit in ways that the, you know, our, our main interview guests sometimes don't. They're coming from everyday people, just like that's Everyday people
1: <laughs> till you get elected into a position where you're, where you're more than that. But up to that point, and you, it is, that's, that's an American story tale. And that's that's why so many people gravitate mm-hmm. towards this place. It's a melting pot of everybody. It's the one place you can come in and create your own American tale. Just like he did, Flo. I mean, all of them guys, man, it's just, it's all, us. I mean, it's the coolest thing. I, you know, When they write our the history of the Americas one day, man, they, they better focus on each and every individual that lives here and who's come here to help make this place better because it, it truly is something absolutely marcus and
4: um again luca thank you for writing that uh, stay on the path we know that you're um you're gonna rise to great things
1: great show brother good job man everybody thank you so much for bringing us back and allowing us to bring these guys on and tell their story we definitely couldn't do it without y'all man so we want to thank god we want to thank christ for everything that we have and our families for letting us do this and to you guys again for bringing us back we're out Out.